We are on Ksubis Memdalad Amad Aleph towards the bottom of 44a as we begin a new Mishnah. And this is a new topic. Uh, we have been discussing for a while about Ones and Mafata, different scenarios where a person seduces or rapes a girl who's between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half. Uh, from there, we continue to discuss also various issues about the jurisdiction of a father with regards to his daughter. Um, and so now we will discuss the topic of Motsi Shemra. Motsi Shemra is found in uh, Sefer Dvarim, in Parshas Kitsetse. This is in Dvarim, Perak Chav Beis Pasuk Yer Gimel, 22.13. And we will just go through the, the basics of what the Torah tells us about Motsi Shemra, what exactly, what is the case of Motsi Shemra. And then we will see and begin the Mishnah and part of the Gemara. Essentially, if we have a scenario where uh, a couple gets married, um, and then after they get married, uh, the husband tells the wife um, that uh, that that uh, he suspects that she committed adultery between the halachic engagement and uh, their marriage. He says that he did not find the basulim, uh, the hymen blood, and that. Uh, he's concerned that, and, and makes the claim that she committed adultery, again, between the year-long difference during the times of the Gemara, from the giving of the ring till they actually live with each other. Um, and so we have the following. What happens if it's true, and what happens if it's not true? So basically, what we're discussing here is a specific case of a, as the Pasuk says, of a Na'ara. We have to be discussing, we're also discussing this case of, of a girl between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half, where she gets married. She has to be a basula, she has to be a virgin, because the claim is that uh, she lost her virginity uh, during the halachic engagement. And they basically take her out. In general, they take her out to um, the gate, the, which in those days they would have uh, gates towards the entrance of the city, of the city of the... Um, of the Beisdin, of where, where the, the ruin would be held. Um, and so then the father, this is the Sukkim continue, the father says that this is, the father of the girl says, this is what the husband is saying, that he's making this accusation, and I could prove to you, I could prove to you that, that it's wrong. So, if the, the husband was lying, that he made this accusation and it was false, it was not a correct accusation, so then the following three things take place. So first of all, they take him out and they, they give him malchus, they give him lashes for making this false accusation. They make him pay the father of this girl a hundred kesef, uh, to pay a hundred kesef, which is about double the amount of the ksuba. And number three is that he has to stay married to her. There's an obligation that he has to stay married to her. He's not allowed to divorce her. Uh, he He's not allowed to divorce her. So those three things, again... Lashes, mea kesef, a fine of 100 kesef, and then uh, the fact that they cannot get divorced. However, if it's found to be true, so then what do they do? So there's a few differences between this and a regular case of adultery. Both of them are deserving of the death penalty, but in this case of a na'arahamarasa, of a girl between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half who's engaged, and she committed adultery during the engagement. So they take her, not in general, it's to the, let's say, um, uh, Potentially to the to the gate of the city or other places, they take her to the 
to the house of where she grew up, the house of the parents, where she grew up, um, uh, because this is uh, this is where it all started. She's committed adultery between the age of twelve and twelve and a half. This is where it all started, and uh, they stone her. In general, in general, the punishment is the death penalty for adultery, but it's chenek. Uh it's uh, strangulation. Um, and that's viewed as a lighter form of the death penalty. Here, it's skila, it's stoning, and so they, they give her the death penalty of stoning. Um, so that's one difference, is that it's stoning. The other difference is that this has to happen in uh, at, the, at the gate, at the door of where the parents, specifically where the father uh, is living, where she grew up. Um, so we see that there are different, uh, different issues to deal with here. Number one is what happens when he's lying. He's lying, so then we mentioned the three things that happened to him. He, he has lashes, um, he has to pay the fine, and they're not allowed to get divorced. And if he's telling the truth, so then she is deserving of skila, of stoning, and it has to happen uh, at the door by the door of the father's home. Okay, we also... Uh, have to mention that, and this is as part of the introduction for the coming Gemara, is that it mentions that she has to be a Nara, she has to be grouped between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half, uh, she has to be a Basula, a virgin. It mentions also that she is a Yisrael, which will be very important for this Mishnah, that she's a full-fledged Yisrael. So we will see what that means. Uh, but also, the, some of the other factors involved is what happens if the father is not alive. It sounds like the father plays an essential role here. What happens if the father is not alive? Also, what happens if the father is homeless? It says that when we punish her, it has to be by the entranceway of the father's home. Well, what happens if the father is homeless? So we'll be discussing lots of these issues. Uh, we'll see which conditions are all conditions um, necessary to have all different forms of ramifications. What happens if it's true? What happens if it's not true? We'll be discussing this topic uh, over the next couple of weeks. So says the Mishnah, Hagiyoris Shinizgaira Bita Ima Vizinsa. Hariz Bechanak Inla Lopesak Vizavia Velomeasela. Basically, case number one is where she she's a convert. Uh, she she goes through a conversion. Um, and the way the Mishnah describes it is that uh, it's a girl where her mother uh, brings her and she both the mother and the daughter convert. And Tosus explains the reason why it's mentioned this way is because uh, a girl on her own, a minor, uh, we would not uh, uh, it's not normal. We would not have her convert, uh, go through a garish process. We don't uh, actively go out of our way to uh, convert children or to convert anybody for that matter. And so therefore the cases, the typical case would be a case where the mother brings her together with her to convert because we're dealing with a minor. So uh, she converts and she's, she goes through the conversion process. So then none of these laws apply. None of these laws apply. She, If she does commit adultery, she has the regular... Uh, the regular uh, death penalty of chenek, not of skila, not of stoning, but of chenek, of strangulation. And none of these other laws apply if, if let's say, uh, he's found to, to have false claims. None of these none of these penalties apply. Okay, that's what the guard... Why? So we'll see in the Gemara, it's specifically because the Pasuk says, ki nevala bisrael, because there was uh, a nevala, something uh, terrible took place be Yisrael, amongst Yisrael. And it specifically says Yisrael to tell us that it is referring to a, a full-fledged, whatever exactly that means, a full-fledged Yisrael, not referring to 
a convert. Okay, that's case number one. Case number two is what happens. This is now an in-between case. Very interesting case. So what happens if uh, she's, let's say, she potentially she's viewed as a convert, potentially she's viewed as being born Jewish. It's, uh, it's a big debate. Uh, but basically, while the mother is pregnant, so then the mother converts and goes through the Geras process, and now the fetus, when she's born, uh, there's a discussion whether that's viewed as a conversion or whether she's viewed as a born as a Jew. That's a whole separate discussion. But at the end of the day, her father's not Jewish. Uh, so she she's also has this quasi-status of of being the full-fledged Yisrael. Well, her father is not Jewish, but her mother converted while she was in utero. Uh, so then in such a scenario, the Gemara will explain this as well, but in such a scenario, if she's if she, it's true that she committed adultery, so then she get, gets skila. That would apply. However, um, it wouldn't be done in front of her father's house because her father's not Jewish. And... Uh, if he was lying about it, so then uh, the penalties do not apply to him. He has no fine. Um, so the only thing that would apply is that she receives skila. However, the last case of this part of the Mishnah, If she was born as a Jew, she was born as a Jew, even if, let's say, the parents uh, are, are converted, uh, so then all of these laws apply. As long as she, if she's born full-fledged as a Jew, the mother converted before... Um, uh, before conception, the previous cases, uh, when uh, at the time that uh, she became pregnant, she was not Jewish. But the, this last case is where she converted beforehand. Even in that, in such a case, so then all of these laws apply. If she was born completely as a Jew, so then all of these laws apply. Okay. Now we have two other uh, scenarios to discuss in this Mishnah, and then we'll begin part of the Gemara. What happens when we have the following? What happens if Let's say her father was alive at the time of uh, the engagement, uh, but the father passed away afterwards. Or let's say it's a scenario where right now when they're in court, the father is homeless, because we mentioned that the father is, is a major role here, and it's specifically the fact that she's, if she is deserving of, of the death penalty that happens uh, at, the, at the place of, by, by the door of her father's home, what happens if he's homeless? So we say, whether the father's alive right now or not, doesn't matter. She still gets skila. And it doesn't have to be by the door of her father's home. If her father's homeless, these are not requirements. It's not necessary to the point where if if he was homeless, so then she wouldn't uh, receive the death penalty. No, she receives the death penalty. And these are just mentioned as a lechatzkila, as an ideal Ideally, it's a scenario where the husband, where the, sorry, where the father is still alive. Ideally, it's a scenario where the father has a home. But if the father is not alive, or the father doesn't have a home, so then she still she still is deserving of skila. That is the end of the Mishnah. So essentially, the Mishnah is broken up into two different parts. One is um, how are we magdir? How do we uh, define Yisrael in this context? That it has to be a Yisrael. When we discuss three different scenarios, what happens if she herself is a convert? So then none of these laws apply. If she, um, if her mother converted while she was pregnant with her, such that uh, the conception happened with a, with when she was when the mother wasn't Jewish, and with a non-Jewish father, and then when she's born, she's born as a Jew. So in such a scenario, it's a little bit of an in-between stage where she would get the death penalty of skila, 
Uh, however, some of the other laws do not apply, such as in front of the father's house, the father's not Jewish, or any penalty to the uh, to the husband if he's found to be uh, having a, a false accusation. And then, and then the last one is where she was born Jewish, so then all these laws apply. That's sort of the first half of the Mishnah. The second half of the Mishnah is discussing what happens if there's no father or he's homeless. So then these rules continue to apply, just... They're not they're not necessary conditions, but it's an ideal. Uh, those are ideal. Okay, moving on to we'll begin part, the very beginning of the Gemara. Amem Dalad Amabez forty four B. As we begin the Gemara, the Gemara says Minahanimili. How do we know it's true? How do we know it's true? What how do we know what's true? How do we know it's true that when uh, she was her mother converted while she was pregnant with her? So then, how do we know that there's sort of this split that she receives skila? Uh, the stoning, the the harsher form of the death penalty, the more severe form. However, the other rules don't apply. The, the answer is the Pasuk says as follows. Uh, the Pasuk says that they bring her out to the to the door of her father and they stone her with uh, the, the people of the city, they stone her. And she dies. That's extra. Why does it say and she dies? To tell you it's coming to include somebody else you wouldn't might not have included. And that's this person, this person who um, the mother converted while she was pregnant with her, so then this person is also deserving of the death penalty. Asks the Gemara, so then why is there a split? If that's true, so then if the husband is found to give a false accusation, so then he should be penalized. No, because we have... Um, the Pasuk tells us, It's specifically in the context of her death penalty, do we say that there's an extra word, that she died. So in the context of the death penalty, so then we will apply that to her. However, um, if we're talking about the, the, the punishments that happened to him, to the husband, if, he, if, if we prove that it was a false accusation, uh, so then that wouldn't apply in this case. It's specifically in the context of where um, she dies and is deserving of the death penalty. So asks the Gemara. A few more lines. So then maybe we should say that in a case where she's born as a full-fledged Jew, and perhaps her parents weren't born Jewish, her parents converted, but when, when uh, and then her mother, after she converted, she conceives and, and, and has this child. Maybe in that case, also we have this split. Maybe we should also have a split where she gets the punishment of skila, of the stoning, of the harsher punishment. Uh, but the husband, if he's found to have a false accusation, he's not penalized. Maybe we should have that split also in that case. No. No, that, that for sure is a full-fledged uh, Jew. If her parents at the time of uh, that they were, she was conceived were completely Jewish, they converted prior, um, so then she's a full-fledged Jew. And then uh, all the laws, all the all, all these laws would apply. Uh, both the laws of when he's found to be a false, uh, to present a false accusation, and when she's actually found to be guilty, all the laws apply. Uh, so what about the opposite extreme? So let us say that in a situation where um, she converts, she converts on her own, um, and she's born as a non-Jew and she converts, maybe in that case also, that word, Mesa, is coming to include a case where she converts, not just a case where her mother converts while she's pregnant, but a case where she actually converts. So the Gemara responds back by saying, well, in the end of the day, the verse tells us, be Yisrael. It tells Yisrael, full-fledged Yisrael. 
So it's telling us a full-fledged Yisrael, that these laws only apply to full-fledged Yisrael, it's coming to exclude a case where she where she converted after she was born. Uh, so then if she converted after she was born, none of these laws apply. If she's born as a Jew, even if her parents were converts, were gerim, um, so then these laws, all these laws do apply. And then just uh, the last point is that if it's this in-between status where um, she her mother converted while she was pregnant with her so that the conception happened while the mother wasn't Jewish and she's born as a Jew so then we have this in-between stage where in-between status where she's deserving of skila she would get the death penalty of skila of the more severe form of the death penalty however uh, the other rules of let's say the husband then gave a false uh, it was a false accusation so then the ramifications and the penalties for that would not apply okay that concludes that part of the Gemara we'll continue with the Gemara in the next class.